So uh, we head into the hives to help Murphy sort some Electrum trade stuff. And first thing that happens, first thing, Yeti attack. Loki didn't believe in Yetis before this, by the way. So this absolute beast snatches Murphy and causes an avalanche that honestly, we were lucky to survive. It's okay, I'm fine, I'm still hot as ever. But it did knock us out. And Flynn and I wake up as we're being dug out of the snow by a dwarf who says she was looking for us, which is kind of weird. Um, and it turns out that Karen and Frankie woke up underground and were found by an underground elf called a drow. Yeah, I know what a drow is. Uh, long story short, we all find each other back at the Yeti's lair and oh my god, Karen smashed this Yeti right in the gut and it was absolutely amazing. And turns out, the dwarf who saved us is Karen's sister. Gods, I wonder if bossiness runs in the family. Everybody and welcome to the terrible adventures of the Janice and Breffitt's Parchment Company, episode 25. We're currently stuck into Hivewood Bound, arc five of the show. Uh, my name is Penny D. I will be your DM. And if someone made a character sheet for me, my dump stat would definitely be Constitution. I get <laughs> I get sick really easily. Uh, cannot handle small amounts of pain. Uh, big wuss. That's me. Uh, consequently, best stat charisma. Mm. Yeah, be a be a high charisma, low con, uh, probably bard or something. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, I would agree with that. Hi, I'm Liz, and I play Karen, your favorite dwarf barbarian. My one's a bit different because I believe my best stat would be constitution. I can eat anything. <laughs> I have a few tattoos. I don't feel pain very easily, and I used to fall off horses like weekly so you know i bounce however my dump stat would definitely be strength oh, hell. which is kind of sad i've got weak little noodle arms and <laughs> i just i don't know what kind of good character that would make but it would certainly make me and that's good enough for me Aww. high and low strength lots of hp you don't need strength to be you could be a rogue it's true i could be a rogue <laughs> Hi, I'm Nathan, and I play Flimbla, the Halfling Bard. So my personal character sheet, I would also be like Liz and fall off horses, but even when I'm nowhere near them. So my dump stat would be Dex. <laughs> and my strength would definitely be Charisma. It's got me out of a lot of awkward situations just because my endearing, like, <laughs> my endearingness. You're very endearing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But so, un like, so awkward. So me and my wife were talking about ice skating over roller skating, and I was like, I can't do either of those. I sit on a skateboard to roll down a hill, and that's fun for me, because otherwise I just fall off. <laughs> so character-wise, I guess if you're low dex, high charisma, maybe a sorcerer? Maybe a sorcerer. But also I've got a shocking memory, so I'd have to be carrying around books and books. That's okay. Sorcerers have magic innately. You yeah, don't have to remember anything. Oh, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, my name is Stephanie and I play Frankie the Artificer. I think my dump stat, I've been tossing up between like decks of wisdom. And I think it's wisdom because I have no street smarts what whatsoever. I'm 
I don't know, I'm just, I guess, thick in that respect, where my best stat would probably be intelligence, because, you know, I got the book smarts, but I just don't have the street smarts. So, <laughs> high and low, low decks? Uh, low decks, low wisdom, low probably everything else, like, I don't know, I, I, I wouldn't survive past level one. No, you'd be a great wizard. You, you don't need anything <laughs> except intelligence to be a wizard. Die high intelligence, oh. and everything else can be solved by hiding behind the paladin. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> Hi, I'm Poppy. I play Idafa, the tiefling rogue. My dump stat is definitely dex. I am not dexterous at all. I'm the kind of person that doesn't know where they end. Like, my butt is, also, is always just pushing <laughs> stuff off tables, and I'm always in the way. But my best stat, either charisma or strength, I'd like to think it's strength. I like to think that, you know, I got the muscle. Just like Liz, I can handle a couple tattoos, which I think takes some strength. <laughs> strength of will. I guess you're our paladin then. High strength, yeah, high that's charisma. Me. I'm yeah, the paladin. <laughs> Stand behind me, everyone else. <laughs> God, we have some we have some clumsy and likable people in this show, don't we? I think we make a very well rounded party. I think so, yeah. Between yeah. us, although we're all clumsy as hell. <laughs> right. Well, this isn't a D&D sheet making podcast. It's a D&D playing podcast. <laughs> so how do you guys feel about jumping back into the adventure? Oh, Let's so go. excited. So you guys are currently in a cave that faces out towards the mountains. Uh, it's full of goats and there is a dead yeti embedded into the wall after Karen punched it so hard that it like flew back superhero style. You're welcome. <laughs> Elacast, uh, who made their way here with Idafa and Flynn, uh, has just gone up to Karen and said, nice to meet you, big sister. Karen looks very taken aback and she says, oh, uh, no, I, I don't believe there was a carrot. Oh, there definitely was. I was just a baby when you left. Oh, oh, I'm so I'm sorry, dear. I just it's been such a long time. No, it's fine. I don't I don't blame you. We haven't had correspondence or anything. It's well, like, to me, you're kind of a legend for breaking the chain and going off and doing your own thing instead of just falling in with the minor pack. Oh, it's amazing to meet you. Well, uh. I'm sure you're the only one in the mines who thinks of that. Anyway, we should probably uh, reconvene with everyone and... Uh, Karen looks around, she's she's very nervous and she frantically lays eyes on Murphy, who is uh, in the goat pen. She goes, Oh, uh, uh, my dear friend, um, how are you after the Yeti got you? Are you okay? Murphy takes down his bubble. He's been in like a force bubble uh, while the Yeti was trying to feed him mushrooms and he takes down the bubble and puts a small glass ball into his pocket. Handy. And he sort of dusts himself off and he's like, I uh, I don't suppose any of you bought the whiskey from the carriage because I could definitely go for an old fashioned after that. <laughs> oh, there's nothing left of the carriage, darling. What? It's completely destroyed. What? That thing was very- And I was like, no, at, at no fault of our own. Just so you know. Oh, yes, yes. What did you do to it? Did you drive it off a cliff? No, uh, it, more like a cliff fell on us. <laughs> Natural causes, Murphy. I mean, Gleebles. 
Uh, yes. <laughs> oh man, I'm in so much trouble. I, th that was a rental. That was a rental? It was a legal magic rental, but it was a uh, You know what? I'll <sighs> I'll figure something out. It's gonna be alright. Yeah, you paid for insurance, didn't you? <laughs> no. Frankie pipes up. You always get the insurance, Murphy. Uh, Gleebles. <laughs> it's all on the contract. You're right about that, Frankie. Yeah, but here's the thing, right? Is that they're not gonna go to the guards about their illegal magic chariot being destroyed. I think I'll probably be alright. <laughs> oh, well, I suppose if you put it that way. Oh. Anyone want some Yeti steaks? I was actually thinking maybe we could skin it because its fur looks so warm. Just in case. Kick the Yeti. You can do whatever you want to the Yeti. I'm not touching that thing. And Karen's gonna go um, to the mouth of the cave sure. and kind of look out and see if she can get the lay of the land. Yeah, sure. Roll me a survival check. Absolutely. In the meantime, while you're doing that, Alakast uh, approaches Flynn and Idafer uh, and says, uh, listen, I uh, have a plan and uh, thanks to her, I've got something that I've never had before, which is a stone cutter who can vouch for me. I'd like to come with you. I can lead you back to the forge and uh, perhaps we can we can help each other out. You know, would you mind if I join you? Yes, fine with me. Yeah, sure. Hey, Karen, it's fine. What? Oh, uh, sure. Yes, whatever. Um, I got a 19 for survival. Uh, outside the mouth of the cave, not surprisingly, it is an alpine environment, lots of mountains. Uh, you don't see any roads. Like, well across, like, maybe like a day or two's travel and halfway up another mountain, you can make out the signs of one of, like, a leftover hive. Um, you know, the, the scoops dug into the side of the mountain. Mm. You can barely make it out because it's been snowed on. But other than that, you don't see any obvious direction to travel. And because you've been traveling underground, you've kind of gotten turned around. You don't even know which way it would be from here to the forge. Well, I, I, I suppose you're our only, uh, our only option at the moment, uh... What, was your, what did you say your name was again? Alacast. That is correct. Uh, tell me, what do you get out of this? Why were you here in the first place? Well, I came to find you because... I don't like being a Godseeker, Karen. I have plans. I've got this amazing, amazing idea. And unfortunately, to make any changes around the forge, you need a stonecutter. And how fortunate is it that my older sister is a stonecutter who has no politics in the forge and can help me get done what I need to do. We'll see about that, won't we? Uh, well, I wouldn't say I don't have any stake in the forge or any politics in the forge or uh, any uh, leftover uh, enemies back home. Meanwhile, uh, behind you, Totelhine is slaughtering all the goats, <laughs> uh, slitting their throats and tying their legs together. Uh, you, you need any help? Sorry, can Frankie roll for uh, Constitution? Watching things get slaughtered probably isn't <laughs> something Frankie can handle. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, uh, I rolled 12. I mean, it's not the most pleasant thing you've ever seen, <laughs> is all these goats being strung up and having their, their throats cut. You're not vomiting from it, but it'd probably be a good idea to like maybe go examine something else for a while rather than going <laughs> in this. <laughs> That's exactly what Frankie's going to do. He's like, you know what? I'm going to check out this rock formation over over here. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, rocks. <laughs> Ido uh, kind of like leans down to Alakast and he's like, do you know this elf fella? Alakast looks the drow up and down 
kind of snorts. You can see a bit of a sneer. Savages, all of them. The warriors of that tribe are responsible for so many deaths in the Dwarven Mines. Not as many as, you know, cavins and magma spills, but definitely top five causes. They keep attacking mining parties all the time. I don't want anything to do with that. Meanwhile, he's just slaughtering goats. And we're like, oh, I see that. Yeah. Well, those those of you who were with Totelheim and those of you who like were there during the moment that he was able to speak to you mm. know that his job was that he was scouting food for his traveling party. And Murphy's like, hey, uh, I mean, I, I don't know what's happening here exactly, but that Yeti, that was that thing was acting as like a shepherd. Uh, I saw it milking the goats before. I'm pretty sure the reason that it even grabbed me was because of the horns. Uh, it led the goats to these mushrooms, and then once it ate the mushrooms, it made that, you know, that... Have you guys ever had dwarven cheese, and it's like that delicious dwarven cheese, and it comes from mountain goats, and they eat mushrooms? Yeah, it's the, the, the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. It's uh, it's quite a well-known delicacy around here, Murphy. It, I mean, I never thought that the yetis would also be able to make a cheese like that. Oh, uh, huh. Interesting. Well, I mean, I imagine that he, he just drank the milk. I don't think he made it into cheese. Uh, but th he was definitely protecting these goats. I, I do feel a little bit bad now. Well, maybe we should get out of here. I'm unsure if the Yeti had a family, a mate, something else going on in this cave, a second Yeti. Uh, I don't know if you, uh, the rest of you have noticed, but I'm uh, severely injured. My arm hurts a lot. My sides hurt a lot. And I would like to not be here when another yeti arrives yeah yeah we've been standing around a bit uh we should probably let's go alicast tell us where to go please <laughs> for those of you who you know care for him you wave goodbye to totalhein who as you leave is performing some kind of ritual for the dead animals in the cave uh, anyone who wants to know what that's all about can roll an arcana check and i'll come back to that Mm, I will roll a religion check. Oh yeah, I kind of roll religion. Yeah, e either is fine. That's a nap for 20, so do with that what you will. Okay, he's definitely doing some kind of like funeral or like respect for the dead type ritual. Like he killed all these goats, but like he seems to have a lot of respect for them. It's like a, you know, thank you for your, thank you for your sustenance uh, type ritual that he's doing. Mm. So without the cut, travel's a lot slower, but thanks to guidance from Alakast, it's at least in the correct direction. <laughs> By day, you travel between grand mountains, talking, goofing on each other, sharing a few, you know, what few food rations that you have with you. Did anyone, like, take a goat or, like, bring anything to eat with them beyond basic rations? No. no. Frankie didn't think about that, no. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, so you've got you've got basic travel rations. City kids. By night, you camp in leftover hive scoops using Alakast's survival kit. It's quiet, but it's certainly a scenic route that you wouldn't have otherwise had access to. One evening, when everyone else is all tucked away in their uh, sleeping bags in one of the hive scoops, Karen will ask Alakast or Carrot, whatever she prefers to be called a couple of questions by the fireside. Elicast appears to be some kind of like self-imposed nickname. That, mm. that you know, Have you ever met a guy and he's like, oh yeah, you can call me Boomer. And you're like, no, I know you as Jared. You will be Jared, thank you. <laughs> and he's like, no, Boomer, please. <laughs> it's, it's, it's that kind of like self-imposed nickname. You can't just that, call yourself Boomer. You have to be called Boomer by someone. I love craft yeah. beer and I go surfing sometimes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 
<laughs> like a boomer. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so you want to talk to Alacast? Yeah. What do you want to talk to Alacast about? Karen would like to kind of sit next to her at the fireside and say, uh, so, uh, how, how is everyone in the clan? Uh, I have to be honest with you, Karen. I, I don't spend a lot of time in the clan hall. I like to get out into the wild and, and mine by myself. I didn't really get along with the, you know, mining. You know, you have to start at the bottom, do all the bullcrap jobs. I didn't, I don't know. I mostly just do my own thing. I, I rent a little place to stay. Because better than being at the clan hall, Joe. <laughs> Mother is insufferable. And so I don't. I wish I could answer you. I really can't. Well. You know, if, it, was, it, was, it was one of my uncles, I believe. Uh. Who? Who, who, who? Uh. Oh, never mind. I'm sure the name will come to me. I was mostly just asking how his heart was holding up. Uh, we've had a few funerals. I mean, most of our... Like, auntie's the queen now. Mm. But, I mean, the older generation, uh, most of them are fine. There's been a couple of deaths without knowing which one you're talking about. I can't really answer you, but... I mean, <laughs> the men do what the men do. They, they're foremen. They're miners. They dig up the good stuff and make us all look like amazing golden children. You know, same old, same old. <laughs> Yes, I suppose that's true. Nothing much ever seems to change around there, does it? Not if I have something to say about it. <laughs> well, I hope you... I hope you find what you're looking for, Carrot, but, uh... If you don't, uh, I hope you'll take my advice. You can just leave. I'm working on it. You don't have to do anything for anyone in the hives. You don't have to owe anyone anything and you can just you can just leave well I was hoping that I might owe you something after you do me this favor but uh I know I know it's not always the best place to be people are locked into traditions when you really look at it when you get it down on paper it's pretty it's pretty messy oh well not like anywhere else is any less messy but uh at least you don't have to deal with mother <laughs> I uh I'm glad you're here. When I heard you were coming, that's the most hope I've felt in a long time. It's good to meet you, Carrot. It's good to meet one of my little siblings again. On the fourth day since the Yeti fight, you crest a hill, and the dwarf civilization reveals itself. It sits apart from the mountains around it, as though it is offered extra space out of reverence by the land itself. An enormous volcano jutting out from the terrain. Its activity is immediately evident, uh, even from this far away, by the smoke emerging from the crater and by the complete lack of snow anywhere near it. What covers it instead is an eclectic mix of structures, buildings and roads going all the way from the flat ground up to the very crater. They sparkle in the midday light, in sectioned colours, this segment a shiny silver, the next a brilliant diamond hue, the following one a mix of greens, reds and purples, a gigantic bejeweled mountain bustling with grandeur and activity. Ido turns to Karen and he's like, Karen that seems kind of dangerous, is that normal? Uh, it's just a forge, 
I really hope I'd never have to see this place again. And she's she's staring at this like beautiful shining mountain, and she's like obviously got a disgust on all written all over her face. <laughs> it might look beautiful, but she's not pleased to see it. Flynn, you have some connections with the forge since your really good roles at the start of the arc. Why don't you go ahead and roll me a history check? Ooh. Oh, nat 20. What? What? <laughs> We've only had like three rolls so far and most of them have been nat 20s. Did you say history? Yeah, history. So 24. So Flynn, you know that the activity of the volcano is why the forges sit here. Uh, every time that there's an eruption or any time the volcano, uh, you know, the magma level rises, they are siphoned off internally within the volcano uh, into areas that they essentially turn the stone cutters, you know, who are in charge of turning ore into, you know, worked metals, um, use the heat and the magma from the volcano to actually work the metals and turn, for example, gold ore into gold coins. Mm. So the fact that it's an active volcano, as, as I've correctly pointed out, quite dangerous but they are they are using the natural like volcanic activity of the land to work their metals and create their riches awesome so as Flynn's like looking around he's like wow there's a lot of value here and then thinking back to what he knows he's like this is pure ingenuity pure class engineering class but you keep up those sweet words Flynn and you'll uh, find yourself some fast friends around here everyone's very proud of their Ah, little kingdoms. <laughs> Alakas kind of snorts and is like, oh sure, it looks pretty, but it's just a pissing contest when it comes right down to it. How many dwarves have worked themselves to death just so their clan segment can have a bit more sparkle than the neighbours? It's pathetic. How do we feel about a heist, guys? Oh, poorly. You steal an entire town. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I know that as a tiefling, you know that there's things that go on in 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 the city and we do our best at the Jansen Breffitt's parchment company to make sure that you and the other tieflings there feel welcome and are safe this is not the same place you will not be afforded the same protections and i i didn't want to tell you this before but a lot of people will have never seen a tiefling you're not going to be left alone very often and uh, people here are not going to trust you. Are you saying that they think I'm cool? Well, some of the children might think you're cool. Sick. But their parents definitely won't. Frankie whispers to Ido, I think you're cool. Aww. Ido definitely <laughs> blushes, and he's just like, oh, <laughs> thanks, Frankie. <laughs> Flynn claps his hands together and kind of rubs them together, and he's like, it's all on the marketing, really. This is a nice challenge. Are you going to market tieflings to the dwarves? Heck yeah. <laughs> Hey, well, uh, as what? Wait, not and yeah, sorry, not <laughs> right. as like slave labor or anything. I mean, like as valuable members of society. Okay. I mean, I guess like, a marketing I'm... campaign's not the worst idea anyone's ever had to defeat racism. I was going to say, I don't know if I'm really the poster boy for a good tiefling. Well, uh, you'd better you'd better shape up fast, Idafa. It's really in your best interest to be on your very best behavior here. Wolves aren't welcoming at the best of times. You carry on traveling, uh, and once you join one of the many branching roads that lead away from and towards the forge, your journey becomes a lot easier. A mere hour or two after you first see it, you find yourselves uh, on the flat ground at a crossroads, with signage pointing towards the entrances to each of the clan territories. 
the closest ones on this side of the mountain are Silver Skinned, Diamond Heart, and Gem Hunter. Iron Souls, Copper Vein, and Gold Seekers are located on the far side of the mountain. Mm. Where would you guys like to go? Who did? Who are you looking to see again? Uh, Glebels? Uh, yeah. So, uh, we need to go find an Underdark guide, uh, which we can do anywhere. My contact is a Diamond Heart, but Asus doesn't set up shop in the Diamond Heart district. <sighs> Roll me a perception check. Oh, uh, twenty-two. Hit <laughs> six. <laughs> Frankie is busy. <laughs> Unnatural twenty-four. I would be concerned if you rolled a natural twenty-four. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I don't got an unnatural twenty. Yeah, cool. So the three of you, not Frankie, because as usual, he's checking out butterflies. <laughs> But the other three of you, when Murphy says the name Asus Diamond Heart, you see Alakast's eyebrows shoot up and eyes go kind of wide for a second. Doesn't say anything, but definitely like visually reacts with facial expressions. <laughs> and after a second, Alakast said, Harden, um, I want to go to the top. Uh, we need to go to the stone cartoning. I was hoping that you might come with me and then after we're done, we can you can go back and rejoin your friends. <sighs> Murphy's kind of like, hey, I get family. This is our kind of trip, but you know what? You know, Karen, go deal with this because she's just going to keep asking you. You could take someone with you or they can come with me. I, I need Flynn with me. <laughs> so uh, Flynn, you're with me. Karen, you're with Elacast. And Frankie and Ido, you guys can go with whoever you like. Karen kind of puts her hands on her head. She goes, oh, Flynn, hmm? who do you think Idafer would be safer with? Me or you? Probably us flying under the radar. Okay. Yes. I, I yes. I think that's I think that's correct. That's a really good point, and Murphy's gonna take his hat off and put it in his bag. <laughs> now he's just a fire genasi. <laughs> Slightly more common around here. Frankie, would you like to come and see some uh, dwarven technology unseen anywhere else in the world? I really don't want to be left alone, uh, darling. Please, if you can. You had me at. Come see. Okay. <laughs> Frankie says as he stands up from poking out another plant that he's found on the ground. <laughs> oh. Well, uh, we'll be sure to give you the lowdown on all of the technological uh, things that go on in the forge. Uh, of course, there's some advances made in the past oh, 50 years, which I I wouldn't know anything about. But uh, maybe you can get some ideas for uh, product development. What is it you do again? Research and development and other work that is totally work-related. Don't ask questions. Well, uh, this seems like a good research and development trip, don't you think? Yes, he pulls out his notebook and a pen that he's invented and he's ready to write down ideas and touch all the things. Hell yeah. Very excited. (laughs) So Alakast pulls a small coin purse out of her things Mm. and she pours 12 blue electrum out of it into her hand and says listen uh this is this is what i have for now uh but you guys can split it between yourselves i can always make more but uh go ahead you can i probably don't sell these but and she kind of looks sort of knowingly over at karen uh karen roll an insight check Ooh, that's a 10 maybe she heard a rumor that you know how to use magic (laughs) Word certainly spread a lot quicker than you were hoping uh. um, that you were coming, so maybe that also was part of the part of the rumor. Uh. Frankie, yes, sir. Uh, you noticed that the Electrum 
uh, unbranded. Normally, every Electrum piece that you've seen has like a um, a rune or like a a design etched into it. Mm-hmm. These are a little off shape. They're like the they're not the perfect coin shape, and they don't have the brand etched into them. But they're definitely Electrum. Ugh, interesting. I mean, I've never seen these before in my life. Shifty eyes. You guys can split that however you choose. Uh, it's a gift from Elecast to you. I'm sure we won't uh, be refusing a gift from a prominent clan member and that's all Karen's gonna say and she's gonna get three of them. I will also remind you that you recovered uh, Electrum from the cult members that you've not yet split up. Oh yeah! Probably a good idea to make sure that you have your resources and I can remind you what you took if nobody wrote it down. Yes please. Yes I'm pretty sure Flynn's got it but I don't know how much he's got. It's admin time. So from the bodies of the cultists there were three of them and they each had one blue and one green piece of electrum Mm. so you now have a total of 15 blue and three green electrum so karen's got zero at the moment karen would prefer not to touch the green ones it's okay you can do it (laughs) 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 idafer also doesn't want to touch the green ones understandable frankie likes the green ones Frankie likes the green ones. Frankie can have the three green ones. Well, Ida is just going to reach into, I presume, Alakast just is she just holding them in her hand for us to grab? She'll just pass them out to whoever wants them. There's 12 in her hand. Karen will take six Electrum, blue Electrum only, and that will bump her up to having six total Electrum. Aren't you kind of curious about what happens if you use a green one? Mm, I am. Karen's not. Okay, fair. <laughs> so maybe maybe there'll have to be a situation engineered where she has to use a green one. I'm not forcing you to do that. <laughs> Ido is going to grab uh, six blue Electrum, um, bringing him up to a total of nine blue Electrum with one in his shoe. <laughs> yeah, always. <laughs> Flynn's going to take three from that pot, um, meaning I've got a total of nine blue electrum and this is including the ones that you had from the cultists in episode one right yeah and frankie uh, what are you doing frankie is frankie will just take the three green electrum yeah so he's got a total of five green electrum and 11 blue electrum because he's saving the green ones for you don't need to know don't worry about it don't ask questions <laughs> totally safe totally safe don't worry about it don't worry about, don't worry about it. it cool you should be good spellcasters are well stocked yeah, right. So you guys split up. So Karen and Alicast and Frankie are headed up the mountain to the Stonecutter Ring. Murphy and Flynn and Idafer, where are you guys headed? With Murphy. <laughs> the three closest districts are Silverskin, Diamond Heart, and Gem Hunter. And Murphy said that all you guys need is to locate an Underdark guide. Asus Diamond Heart doesn't set up shop in the Diamond Hut district. So you can go to any of the districts that you choose. Okay, I'm gonna turn to Flynn because I know he knows everything about the forge now. Okay, where are we gonna find under dark, that thing? (laughs) So my gut's telling me to go for the copper vein actually, because the underduck guides, I think will hang out around there instead of actually the higher up places where it's more (coughs) snobby. But if I rolled a a knowledge check, would that tell me something different? Sure, go ahead and roll me an intelligence check. Okay. That's a 15. 15 is fine. Murphy said you can find an underdark guide literally anywhere because all you need is someone who's familiar with going underground. Uh, Copper Vein 
is fine as a, as a target destination. It's just gonna take you a while to get there. Like the, this side of the mountain, Silver Skin, Diamond Heart, and Gem Hunter are all fairly accessible with Diamond Heart being the closest. If you wanted to go to one of the other three, you'd spend a bit of time traveling around the other side of the mountain, probably for very little reason. What's closer, Gem Hunt or Diamond? Diamond is the closest. I look at Flynn when he suggests the copper vein. I'm like, isn't that like ages away? All right, okay, our next best bit, uh, the Gem Hunters or the Diamond Hearts? Diamond. Diamond sounds way cooler. <laughs> I'll be snobby. I'm warning you. You have a butler, Flynn. <laughs> Well, he's my friend too. <laughs> That's such a good point. <laughs> so we'll cut to about an hour later. Uh, Karen and Frankie and Elacast, you are currently riding a steam-powered ski lift up the mountain. You're passing over a lot of the tops of, you know, buildings and neighborhoods and market stalls. You can see a lot of dwarves going about their day. The gem hunter district seems to be pretty like multicolored. They've got like, the, everyone else has like a single sort of thing that they do. Whereas these guys have like, you know, rubies and emeralds and amethysts and stuff all kind of embedded into everything that they've, that they've set up. As you travel up the mountain, everything is kind of built to be on a slope. So if you've ever seen like a city that's built on like a fairly steep hill, everything's kind of like built with stacked layers, with pylons holding up ends, all the housing and all the buildings and stuff. Like it's either dug into the side of the mountain or it's like kind of sticking out with pylons sort of holding it in place. Everything in this district is all heavily decorated with gems. You know, there, there are like, you know, solid crystal statues and it seems like everyone's made the effort to take the things that they dig up and essentially like build a society out of it first. There's very little in terms of like, there's a little bit of steel, but there's almost no wood. Everything's like, hey, I found a, I found an emerald that's like 10 meters tall and I carved it into a pillar to hold up my house. <laughs> and Karen, you would know the forge has been here for a long, long, long time. Even before the disappearance of magic, everything was still set up this way. It's just a little bit different now, but overall, like this place is like, carved from gems and karen also knows that even though she's been away from the forge for many many years and she shouldn't hold the same prejudices she can't help but mutter tacky as she kind of soars over the the gem hunter district because the gold seekers very one color everybody else very one color the gem hunters tacky <laughs> <laughs> the only one that does multiple colors <laughs> You'd never say it out loud to a gem hunter, of course, but... Uh, <laughs> While you are sort of floating over the district on your way up the mountain, and for context, uh, Karen, you would know this, much like in Mere City, the uh, mountain is split into sections where, like, pretty much the gem hunter district goes from the base all the way to about three quarters of the way to the top, but the top quarter of the of the entire volcano um, going all the way around is what's called the Stonecutter Ring. Mm. They live at the top, uh, and they go all the way around the mountain. <sighs> now, Carrot, I, Alacast, I know that you're uh, banking on me being able to uh, smooth things over in the stone cutters, but I, I do want you to know that not everybody was uh, enthusiastic about my uh, marriage to Barry, so uh, while we might find people in the clan who are fine, uh, we might also find... Uh, his sister who's just awful so i just want you to be uh 
be aware that I might not be as much help as you wanted me to be. <laughs> oh, and she kind of like goes at, at, at Frankie. Yeah. Callan, as far as I'm aware, any stonecutter can call a forge summit. It's birthright. And I know you're married into stonecutters and you're not technically... Like, I know you had your wedding and you made a city and it wasn't blessed by the clan, but mm. the name should be enough. You are Barrington Stonecutter's wife if you call a forge summit, perhaps. Perhaps. I've got this idea, right? Mm -hmm. As long as we've all been alive, there's been the seven clans. Well, six clans and then the Stonecutters. I've got this idea. Okay. I want to start a new clan. Oh. And Karen kind of goes... Her face goes through a mess of emotions. She's never even considered that something like that could happen. And, uh... What would this... What would this new clan do? Exactly. Electrum. Of course, Electrum. I've been practicing. I've been... I've, I know how to find it. I know how to create it. I know how to use it. So, I'm pitching an eighth clan. I'd love to be... Karat's Electrum cast. Oh, You know how illegal it is, right? Oh, and Ymir City, of course, but the forge doesn't follow the laws of the of the Emperor. That's what the tithe is for. Mm. We just send out a whole caravan of gold and gems and silver and all sorts of things so that we don't have to follow what the Emperor tells us. That's more in, in relation to uh, personal clan matters rather than digging up illegal... Well, I suppose... Karen. I can't even ask without a forge summit. I can't even pitch it without a forge summit. And all I need is one clan leader to believe in it. I just need one. One person. If the Gem Hunter Queen thinks it's a good idea, that's all I need. And it just needs to be me. I don't need anybody else. I can be Cardiff Electrum cast, and when people see, when people see how how it changes the world, they'll join. I don't need to marry, I'll just let anyone in. They can become Electrum cast themselves. Oh, come on, Karen. You can do it. Well, at the very least, uh, Carrot, you've got uh, you've got Frankie on your side. <laughs> I was going to say, like, um, a Forge Summit sounds very much like a TED Talk. She's <laughs> 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 like, why we should have a new clan. Well, now it's going to be like that. <laughs> thanks for, thanks for helping yeah. me with my Forge Summit format. <laughs> You've definitely got Frankie on your side, and uh, I've never known him to have a spectacularly bad idea yet. So, maybe it holds merit. I'll see what I can do. Metagaming, we would be great clients. <laughs> the sales guy over here is like, I know, out. I do know, I know. <laughs> would they do a subscription box? <laughs> some, some dwarven cheeses and electrum all packaged together. Yeah. Oh my god, the literal hidden in the cheese. Kia ora, Penny here. We've got a few quick announcements to get through and then we'll get back to the adventure in no time. So I told you all last episode about our plans to start a Patreon page for our show and I'm pleased to announce that the Patreon is ready and will launch alongside our next episode. There are four different tiers you can choose from with bonuses like early access to episodes, chances to submit content to be included in the show, and even opportunities to play D&D with us. Money raised from the Patreon keeps our show ad-free and is going to pay for an editor's time. If you enjoy JBPC, please consider subscribing at any level. 
Not only that, but it's time to announce our first live show of 2022. You can join myself, Liz, Poppy, Nate, Steph, and some special guests for a one-off adventure streamed to Twitch on March 6th. Details to come, but we hope to see you there. If you're listening to the show on Spotify, you should know that they've recently enabled podcast reviews. We would really appreciate it if you would stop by our main channel page and leave one. You don't even have to type anything. It's just a one-click star rating. Super easy. Music credits. Thanks to Josh Pan for Guitar House, Bobby Richards for Mirror Mind, Squatter B for North Oakland Ecstasy, Delicate Steve for Breeze, Young Logos for Sicko, Chill for Sunday Rain, God Mode for Underwater Exploration, and Unicorn Heads for Vital Whales and Nine Lives. As always, our social medias are facebook.com slash Podcast and at jbpcpodcast on Twitter. Go ahead and send us a like or, you know, drop us a little message or a comment, you know, if you want to. Episode 26, Hivewood Bound Part 4, should release on February 13th, same day as the Patreon launch. We hope to see you back here then. Well, on with the show. Flynn, Idafa, you guys are on your way with Murphy. You're looking for a local pub that you can, you know, ask around, see if you can find a guide. You are traveling through the Diamond Heart District, which, as is to be expected, is pretty decorated with diamonds. <laughs> you are essentially walking through like a suburb, and while it's not quite like hewn from diamond, the same way that the Gem Hunters is, everything is like diamond studded. Like you're walking through and like people's letterboxes have like, it is just like a, you know, keeping up with the Joneses thing where like every house has like more diamonds on stuff than, than previously. Everyone's kind of houses are built into the rock of the volcano itself. So like rather than build buildings that stick out of the wall, they're kind of like carved into the volcano itself. And then everything is just, you know, diamond here, diamond here, diamond here. Um, There are a few sort of large ones, but a lot of it is very, very small ones. Cool. As we're walking past these houses, Ido's going to, like, knock a letterbox just to see if a diamond falls off that he can grab. Cool. Roll me a sleight of handshake. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, baby. What a natural one. I feel like my actual stat doesn't matter now. (laughs) Take one bludgeoning damage because you just banged into a letterbox made of diamonds. Oh, oh, Lynn. You're kind of like walking around, you like give it a slap and you're like, Ow. Hardest substance known to man, who would have thought? Ido was a foolish boy. Flynn's like, Ido, keep your paws to yourself. These are hands, Flynn. Your paws? <laughs> You're heading up the hill. You're looking for just, you know, any kind of bar or pub or social district or just anywhere that you can go kind of like, you know, ask around for rumors or get a recommendation. There's lots of dwarves around. Everyone's all kind of like dressed in color. So like there's a lot of that like crystal blue that you can see on people's clothing. People aren't necessarily wearing armor, but like again, a lot of people's clothes are, you know, they've got the diamond heart insignia, which is like a sparkling crystal looking heart. Imagine a heart made of diamond that has those like flat surfaces and like hard edges. That's the insignia of the diamond heart uh, clan. 
and up ahead of you, you notice a bit of a commotion. There are some men who are wearing different type of clothing. They're wearing sort of like more leather, um, leather armor, and they are pushing around a man in regular clothes. Uh, each of the men who are pushing someone around, they have a pickaxe with them. This is this is my way of saying there are miners beating up someone who isn't a miner. Uh, Flynn, is this normal? Penny, is this normal? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and roll me a history check. Yeah, I know we'll be asking you everything. I'm at 21. Man, you're rolling really well today. Yeah. I know, I got an 18. Flynn, you know that miners in this, like, society are, like, the top of the social chain. If you are a miner, you are, you know, you are getting out there doing hard, manual, dangerous work, and when you come back, you are celebrated for being, like tippity tip top of the like best of the best you're like a the, the miners are like the i don't know sports stars of the of the forge culture and so as such they're kind of afforded a little bit more leeway and a lot of the time they consider themselves better than the average dwarf <laughs> flynn kind of whispers to well stage whispers i don't know <laughs> whispers to ida for despite how they are dressed they are they're the top dogs. They are the daddies of this world. So what they... We've got to be very careful with how we treat them. But bullying is prevalent anywhere. So I'm not sure what's going on over there or if we want to get involved, but probably not. <laughs> I know, gives them a little nudge. He's like, they look like a bunch of tools. Because <laughs> they have pickaxes. <laughs> oh my gosh, say that more quiet. <laughs> but you were correct. I'm a rogue, I'm stealthy. <laughs> are you guys going to involve yourself in this at all? Or are you going to carry on? Oh, who's the person that they're beating up on? Yeah. It's hard to tell based on how he's dressed. He's a dwarf. He has a beard. He appears to be a Diamond Heart clan member based on how he's dressed. But he doesn't have the same like type of uniform on that the miners are wearing. Oh, I'm sorry, but I really want to involve myself here. <laughs> Do it. Do it. I'm gonna walk up and be like, oh, did something, do you guys need help? What's happening here? Like, why is he being punished? One of the miners uh, who is holding a, a bottle, it's like a bottle with clear liquid with like some kind of something like swirling around in it, uh, looks over at you and, and is like, oh, I don't know who you are, but stay out of this. This is a, this is a bartender. He thinks he can charge us for drinks. No, 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 not around here. I bring diamonds home. This man pours liquid into other vessels. Who do you think the guards are going to side with here? Get out of here. Oh, I'm so sorry to interrupt. We didn't know that you couldn't afford drinks. Would you like us to buy you some drinks? <laughs> what are you rolling? Is this is this a persuasion? Is this an intimidation check? Oh, <laughs> I want to roll based on my charisma. So a little bit of... Just straight charisma. I would actually go... Nah, persuasion. Okay, Because cool. I'm persuading them that they believe that they're seen as lower class by not paying for their drinks because they obviously if they can't pay for their drinks they're not bringing enough diamonds. I see. I see. You go ahead and roll me a persuasion oh. check. <laughs> I love being a halfling. I just rolled a net one so I'm re-rolling. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Oh my god. Oh I just got a hot flush from that. I was like imagine that. <laughs> oh okay that's way better. So that's a 28. Thank you halfling. Oh. Have you rolled under 20 all day today? God. Uh, except for that, that one, yes. <laughs> so, 
you come across as really genuine. Like you don't come across like you're trying to shame these guys. You, to them, appear like you actually don't understand. Oh, can you guys not afford drinks? <laughs> and they all kind of like blush a little bit and they're like, does this guy not understand that we superstars dig up diamonds? What, what's the, and they back off a little bit to like discuss between them. Like, are, are we the baddies here? Yeah. <laughs> While this is happening, uh, the, the guy who has been identified as a bartender stands up, picks up the bottle and looks at you and says, I thank you. Thank you, friend. Uh, tell you what, while they figure that out, come to my bar, come to the Molten Good Time and we will, I'll serve you some free drinks. Oh, we're the superstars now. Molten Good Time. I love that. <laughs> I love coming up with bar names in this world. <laughs> Extremely good. We can we can go, right, Flynn? Yeah. Murphy's like, oh yeah, let's let's absolutely do that. I don't I don't want to hang around while those guys figure that. And you can see all of the miners like standing off to the side with their hands on their hips, genuinely trying to figure out: do we do we beat up this guy? Like, do we educate him? What do we do? <laughs> I love it. Um, but you guys <laughs> slip away before they can come to a decision. Amazing work, Flynn! Oh my god. <laughs> Top tier. Uh, so Karen, you and Frankie and Alakas arrive at the Stonecutter Ring. Uh, it's a small, uh, elegant settlement that's at the very top of the volcano. Compared to the over-grandeur of, of each of the metal clans, it's fairly plain up here. It's like elegant and tidy. And actually, Karen, have you ever been here before? I believe Karen would have been here maybe in her youth maybe during a forged summons when she was uh, younger, but definitely she hasn't been back to the hives since she left. So she definitely hasn't been here for, you know, over 50 years. And she got married after she left, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you arrive at the stonecutter ring and it's tidy and it's elegant and it's nice. And Elacast encourages you to go to one of the many Stonecutter clan halls that litter around the place and see if you can call a Forge Summit. Well, I've never done a Forge Summit before. I can barely remember them. You know how young I was when I was when I left? I was, oh, 37, 38? I, can, I can't hardly even remember what the Forge, the Forge, uh, what this whole thing is all about. Karen? Karen, you are not only a stonecutter, you are as close to Goldseeker royalty as, as it is possible to be without being the queen. Ugh. If anyone can do it, you can. Fine. I'll, uh, and she, she's just going to kind of wander over to a random hall and uh, say, po like kind of poke her head around the door and say, uh, oh, uh, hello, uh, good afternoon. Um, the person who's sitting behind the desk is like a really, you know, well-off looking young female dwarf wearing, you know, just whatever she feels like. There's no, there's no um, stone cutter insignia. There's no like built-in color that she has to wear. She's just, she's like, yes, can I help you? Ah, uh, yes. Um, uh, my name is uh, Karen Stonecutter, uh, wife of Barrington Stonecutter. She looks a little shocked to hear that, but carries on listening. Um. Uh, I would like to call a uh, Forge Summit on behalf of my sister here, Carrot. Uh, Alacastas did not follow you inside. Oh, oh, where's she gone? Oh, well, never mind. Uh, Sorry, I'm just going to stop you there. Y you yes. want to call a Forge Summit? If possible, yes. You, the... Thank you. 
Yes. The wife yes. of a real stonecutter. Yes, I know it's uh, not uh, not convention, but... Um... So I don't know how things work in, like, the city, like Yamiya City. I'm not sure how things work there. But uh, around here, you have to actually be a real stonecutter to call a forge summit. Randos can't just sort of walk in and be like, hello, I'd like all of the clan leaders to get together and hear what I have to say. Doesn't it... It's... I'm sorry, I don't think I can help you. Mm, It's very interesting of you to say that. Uh, I'm not a rando off the street. I am the daughter-in-law of your clan leader. Yes, well, I'll tell you what. I'll let him know that you dropped by, and if if he values that, then maybe he'll call a forge summit for you. Mm. You said your name was Karen Stonecutter? Karen Stonecutter. Whoa, lovely. Formerly Karen Goldseeker, daughter of Beryl Goldseeker. Yes. (laughs) Beryl. Okay. Uh, You'll hear from us. How does that sound? Mm. I'll let you know. Not good enough, unfortunately. Not good enough at all. And Karen's going to leave without giving her a chance to say anything. Frankie, uh, what, what, what are you, did, were you there during this? Or you <laughs> went outside or what were you up to? No, I'd like to think that Frankie was outside, you know, sort of waiting, just asking random questions like, so what does that thing do? And it'll be like, oh, that's just a door. I'm like, oh, a door. <laughs> so Karen, do you go back to Alicast? Yeah, she goes straight back to Alicast and she hisses at her and she says, can't believe you made me embarrass myself like that. What happened? Oh, I'm not a real stonecutter. Like I told you, I'm a stonecutter by marriage, which in this place just means I'm as good as random off the streets. Oh. (sighs) Karen, I'm so sorry. Has Mother's name really fallen that far? Yeah, kind of. Uh, You could have at least let me know. Karen, we're sisters, okay? And I forgive you. You tried. And I I do really appreciate that you gave it to go. I'm sorry that you got embarrassed. I forgive you. Oh, well... That's good to know. Now just to see if my father-in-law is going to forgive me. You are one of the only family members that I have who will give me the time of day. I want to keep this relationship with you. I will always forgive you for whatever happens. Will you forgive me? It depends on what happens. Yikes! Karen, I need you to say that you'll forgive me. I don't have a sister like you. I need you. I... I forgive you, Alicast. Okay, I'm glad. And then she turns uh, and shouts to a bunch of people who are wearing solid gold plate armor standing nearby. Excuse me, Karen Goldseeker, the the, the traitor deserter right here. The one that you're looking for. Here she is. (laughs) And what happens is all of these guards who are like, it's just like a general guard patrol. You're feeling near where the, um, the edge of the stonecutter sort of district is and the stone car district like borders right onto most of the other districts four guards wearing like solid gold plate armor start like look it over and karen you actually recognize a few of them they're people that you grew up with in the Goldseeker clan um they start rushing over uh oh, carrots ah uh, roll a perception check jesus not Jesus. Not Jesus. Uh, that is a 16. Yeah, kind has gone. <laughs> she shouted something, and you looked over, and you saw the guards, and then you looked back, and she's just vanished. Frankie's like, what? You know, uh, like, you just slowly start, like, stepping a little bit away, 
from the situation. You're like, you're a deserter? I'm shocked. <laughs> shocked and appalled. <laughs> and Karen kind of holds, holds onto her head and goes, Aah! And then she stands up and says, so, yes. Hello, cousin. How are you? Ah, uh, hi, Karen. I'm very sorry to have to do this, but you're under arrest? Am I? You don't sound very sure about that. Look, I've got orders, okay? So you can surrender, mm-hmm. or we can take you in by force. I, I'm very sorry, but gonna need you to surrender so I can take you to the clan hall. Oh, God. In the Molten Good Time, Flynn and Idafa and Murphy, you've had your free drink and you've had a look around. This place is just full of all different kinds of dwarves. There's a couple of people who look like they might be miners. There's, you know, everyone's kind of wearing sort of the same, you know, home team apparel. It's not all the same. You know, in the future, everyone's wearing like the same silver jumpsuit, but it's it's more like everyone's wearing, you know, home team colors (laughs) and and however they would like uh, to run that. There's a few people that, judging from your experience outside, that definitely probably are miners. They're not like holding pickaxes while they drink, but they're wearing the same type of armor. And Murphy's kind of looking around and he's like, all right, uh, I'll give this a go, eh? Uh, let's see. And he walks up to, uh, he walks up to a, a dwarf man and he, he's like, hey, so uh, I'm looking for paid. I'm looking for a paid role. I'm looking for someone to run a little bit of uh, Underdark guidance i need i need i've got someone down there that i need to go and visit i'm just looking for someone who can kind of get me there safely do you know anyone that would be able to take me to see asus diamond heart and hearing the name the dwarf kind of like looks up and spits on the ground anyone who has an appointment with asus it's not someone that I want to be helping. And he gets up and he leaves the bar. Whoa. And the barman that you saved is like, what did you say to that guy? <laughs> and Murphy comes back and he's like, gotcha. Guys, uh, you guys have a go. Don't use the name Asus Diamondheart because people don't like that around here. Gotcha. And like, I don't know, he's looking real confident. And he saunters over to like, um, I guess an authoritative looking dwarf yeah sure sitting by himself sitting in a group by himself that's easier okay yeah sure yeah absolutely all right uh he does the old hand rub and he's like uh good evening sir uh i'm looking for guidance paid uh down ada doesn't know really what's happening he's just heard under dark (laughs) and down and (laughs) sure roll me a persuasion check okay Oh dear. Oh dear. Oh dear. That's a seven. Oh. The dwarf looks up and his eyes are like kind of like half closed in that way that, you know, for drunk people, they're like, Oh, I chose a drunk one. <laughs> he reaches up to your unfiled horn and grabs it and kind of shakes it a little bit to see if it will come off. And then he lets it go and he's like, Down. You're interesting. Uh, th- thanks. Uh, I am not from around here. You may be able to tell. Fine, sir. The dwarf looks to the other side. So you're like on one side of him and he looks to the other side and he looks back and he's like, when does the angel get here? Oh my God. (laughs) All right. Next one. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Flynn, why don't you have a try? <laughs> so I would like to approach the barkeep. The barkeep. Yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah, give, give me your pitch. Did he give us his name or is he just like, here's free drinks. This is my bar. His name is Dwarf Barman. Number one. <laughs> I love my new friend, Dwarf Barman. All right, Flynnvar walks up and he's like, oh, I hope you're feeling a bit better after your uh, conundrum outside. Ah, uh, yes, yes, thank you for your thank you for your interference. That's all right, that's all right. It was all uh, Ida for our friend over there who, who saw you first and cared about your well-being, so that led us to this lovely exchange. He's an odd-looking fella, isn't he? Is he one of those tieflings I've been hearing about? Yes, and he actually lost a friend or he's got a bit we've got a business contact that we've been talking to about sales because we're from a parchment company interesting i could talk all day about that but sorry just to get to the point we're trying to get to the underdark because we've lost contact with our point of sale and i'm you know we've all got wives to feed and i'm a little bit worried about that so i was wondering if you could help me out to finding a guide to get down there because you know we're not from around here and we would need some help to be honest okay go ahead and roll me a persuasion check i'm gonna roll an insight check (laughs) sorry the wives to feed i love it (laughs) she hungry just feed eat 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 (laughs) 16 okay the barman seems like he buys your story he does say, uh, look, I do appreciate the help, but uh, there's a difference between offering you a free round and uh, taking a bunch of days to close my bar to run you underground. is an infinite maze of terror and danger down there. It's not the same as mining once you get through once you get through the mines and into the underground proper. It's, uh, I appreciate the help. Please don't think that I don't I'll offer you another free round if it, if it means that much to you. I can't take you underground, bud. It's, I'd have to close my bar for a week. Oh, no, no, forgive me. I was asking for your recommendation for someone because I know that you are connected in the community and you'd know who to recommend. Sorry for the confusion. Once you say that, uh, a little way down the bar, someone picks up their glass and downs it and pops it back down again and looks over to you. Dear friend, I couldn't help but overhear your plight. And I wonder if I might make myself of service. Uh, and you look over and there's a purple skinned man um, wearing a fairly like old outdated white suit and he approaches the party and takes off his bowler hat uh, revealing short stubby you know classic devil style very small horns and a balding head of wispy white hair my name is poet i'm an artist a revolutionary a visionary but perhaps more importantly to you a native and escapee of the Underdark. For a modest fee, I could take you where you need to go. What qualifies as modest? He smiles at you. Go ahead and roll uh, either an insight or a perception check, uh, both of you. Yeah, I want to do insight just to see how sketchy he feels. <laughs> That's a 14 for Ida. Did you roll insight or perception? Uh, that was perception. He's definitely a tiefling, but there's something very weird. He is old. Mm. Like really old for a tiefling he seems kind of frail and with the balding and the frame you'd put him in maybe his 70s or 80s uh and you as a tiefling know that the tiefling race only began appearing around 80 years ago Mm. i kind of do a bit of a look around i'm checking out his tail and things is his tail like out in the open 
yeah, he's got he's got like a purple tail. It's got a little diamond tip on it. it. Doesn't look like broken or anything. It looks like it looks like your tail. I um like go quite up close to his face. I'm like tiefling, huh? <laughs> he pulls back a little bit from you, and he's like, breath mints, huh? <laughs> Rude. <clears throat> As for your price, let's negotiate. There is danger, but you seem rather capable. I'm sure I could get you where you need to go. Why don't we talk about price later? No. Uh, we need price now. Okay. Because we don't want to get into a deal where we owe you money. That seems fair. Uh, why don't you go ahead and make me an offer? What's it worth to you? Flynn, you're the sales guy. Give him a number. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I love Idafer. He puts, puts Flynn on the spot. <laughs> Gets Flynn into a mess and then goes, Flynn, fix it! <laughs> Next time we split up, Idafer's gonna be like, I'm with you, Flynn. Flynn's gonna be like, mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Let's do... A day rate. Yeah, a day rate sounds great. How about, uh, and he's about to come back to you with a price and from the door you hear a voice. That's them, sirs. The ones who wanted to see Asus. <laughs> and you turn to the doorway and uh, the dwarf that Murphy approached is standing with uh, four guards in diamond encrusted armor. One of them steps forward and says, in the name of the diamond heart, sorry, I gotta do a Scottish voice. In the name of the diamond heart lords, you are subject to questioning on suspicion of conspiracy against the Forge. I look straight at Murphy and just shake my head. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it is time for some decisions. I think I've come up with a good one for Karen, if uh, Steph is happy. Mm -hmm. Karen kind of looks at her cousins and uh, says, Fine, but I'm not arrested. I'm visiting family, and I'm bringing a guest. <laughs> and she kind of gestures towards Frankie. And Frankie looks behind him to see if he's you like pointing to somebody else. Like, <laughs> oh me. Yes, yes, you, Frankie. Okay, yeah. Roll me a persuasion check. Absolutely. Or if you want to do an intimidation, you could do intimidation instead. Mm. Ooh. Okay. Ah, fantastic. That is a twenty-three to intimidation. Oh yeah, the guy on your older nine. <laughs> so first of all, you're agreeing to go with him. Yes. And he doesn't have to use any force. And you're picking up, he's kind of doesn't, like, he's kind of apologetic about this all the way through. Mm. So yeah, the dwarf in the gold armor, his name is Rockjaw Goldseeker. He smiles and he's like, great, fantastic. Thank you very much. Uh, if you'll please come with us, we will take you to the Goldseeker clan hall. Your friend is, of course, welcome to join us. Good. So, like, quickly flicking around eyes with each other, we were kind of like, mm, I'd prefer to talk my way up. <laughs> okay, sure. Uh, what about you? Ido is like, he turns to Murphy and he's like, are you packing? I mean, a little. The laws for how to treat people are not the same around here. We do not want to be arrested. Are you prepared to fight? I'm prepared to put myself in a bubble while you guys fight. <laughs> oh, dear God. Okay, Flynn, what's your plan? Talkie, talkie, talkie. Talkie, talkie, talkie. Sure. <laughs> Have a go at seeing if you can get yourself out of this. But I've got my dagger in my hand. <laughs> oh my gosh, like visible or just really? <laughs> nah, nah, behind my back. <laughs> okay. So Flynn, like, he kind of like looks around and he's like, uh, oh, I'm sorry. There's been some, I think there's been a misunderstanding. We're, and he pulls out his little lanyard. We're from a paper parchment company and we're here around paper contracts. I'm, 
I'm sorry, can you explain what you mean? Uh, yeah, certainly. This, this citizen came to us and said that that fire genasi and points at uh, Murphy wanted to meet with a known criminal, someone who uh, we in the Diamond Heart clan are not keen to see his business grow at all. Oh, and Idafa pipes up. Um, and this could be terrible because my dust travels have been bad. But <laughs> and he says, oh, and what name did he say? Oh. Uh, the, the name was Asus Diamond Heart. And this is not someone that we want strangers meeting with. There's definitely crime involved there. Oh, oh, I see what's happened now. See, we have a friend called Jesus, spelt J-E-S-U-S, and we wish to meet with him. So it sounds like there's been some crossed wires, and uh, we'll just be on our way. And Murphy is going to be like, oh, right, I'm really bad with my H's. I always say H, and it just... A misunderstanding, good sirs. Um, because Murphy's yeah. helping you and because that was hilarious, go ahead and roll a persuasion check at advantage. Nice. <laughs> so good. That's so good. <laughs> oh, thank God. 19. Yeah. <laughs> the guards, like, look between themselves for a second. Like, they seem more like... F- first, there's a lot of stuff happening here. You're a tiefling. <laughs> Uh, you're standing next to another tiefling, and that by itself is fairly, fairly unusual. Your story kind of checks out. One of them's like, "I do think that I know a gem hunter called Jesus, so maybe this is a, maybe this is a misunderstanding." And then what happens is uh, you feel a hand on your shoulder, Idafa. Idafa and Flynn, roll me a perception check. <laughs> Just rolling that one. Okay. Um. Well, Ida got a twenty-four. Eighteen. So the hand on your shoulder belongs to Poet. And Poet steps forward and says, uh, Ah, good sirs, it appears that this has all been a misunderstanding. But this man here is, uh, seems to be intentionally wasting your time. You might consider processing him instead. And what your perception check tells you is one hand is on your shoulder, the other hand is in his jacket pocket, and you see a slight blue glow emanating from his jacket pocket as he is casting Charm Person at a fairly high level on these guards. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go ahead and roll me some wisdom saving throws. I hate the hives. <laughs> I love Three of the guards are like, yes, good idea. And they, they take the dwarf that went and got them, and they cuff him. And the fourth one's like, what is and he kind of like looks over at, at Poet, like kind of with a weird expression on his face. But his other guard companions are leaving, taking this taking this other dwarf in, and he just like was like, well, I guess I'm going with my I guess I'm going with my troop, and he leaves. <laughs> okay, so I thought that Poet was gesturing to me. Uh, no, no, he was gesturing to the dwarf that went and got them and turned you guys in. Not you. Okay, everything's Not okay. You. I don't mind yeah. the hives. <laughs> <laughs> and poet looks at all of you and smiles. So yeah, Flynn and Idafer, you're safe. <laughs> You've got a guide if you want him. Yes, please. Yeah, he sounds all right. He just turned himself a bonus. As long as he doesn't charge too much. Better get out of that bar though. Yeah, we should probably leave. Whatever happened with those uh, guards might wear off soon. <laughs> Karen and Frankie. You are being escorted to the last place that Karen wants to be, the Goldseeker Clan Hall. The guards aren't particularly aggressive or even hateful towards you. Um, If anything, they're acting rather passive as they lead you in. Karen, it all comes back to you as you are led through the courtyard where you used to play as a child. 
the enormous golden slab doors are pulled open, leading to a large main chamber littered with gold seating, gold tables, lined with enormous gold statues of gold seeker queens past. When you were young, this was a palace of opulence, the very epitome of wealth and power. One of the guards leans close and, and whispers to you and says, uh, sorry to do this to you, Karen. When she heard you were coming, it's, uh, it's been dramatic around here. You're led towards the large double doors that you know lead into the throne room, but at the last moment you're shunted off to the side and up some stairs. You emerge on the mezzanine balcony that overlooks the throne. You barely have time to take in the seat itself, enormous and intricately molded, a testament to the highest level of Goldseeker craftsmanship, before you're shunted again towards a private chamber door. While you can't remember the exact purpose of the room beyond, you know that this level of where these rooms are used to be reserved for high-ranking family members. The guard knocks twice and says, uh, Lady Beryl, we have successfully captured the deserter Karen Goldseeker. Well, I wouldn't say captured. And the guard leans into you and says, I'm just following orders, Mrs. Stonecutter. My apologies, the lady does not want to hear it. Well, Rob Jaw, you should have thought about that before. <sighs> it's just not becoming. You can hear footsteps approaching and the door is yanked open with frightening force. Standing in the doorway is an older, dwarven woman, every part of her appearance manicured and deliberately perfect. She wears a complex gold gown, uh, her beard is braided into small, delicate threads uh, with gold rings adorning the very ends of them. Her makeup is laced with gold, and atop her head is a complex golden ornament woven into her hair. It's not the gold seeker crown, but it looks like it's intended to sort of give off the vibe of a crown. Beryl Goldseeker's eyes flick to your wrists, maybe expecting to see cuffs, but eyebrows raise when she doesn't see them. And she meets your gaze, and her lips curl up into a twisted smirk. Hello, Karen. How gracious of you to finally come back to your mother. Yep, they're definitely gone. I will catch back up soon. Alicast here, or Carrot Goldseeker if you missed. Thanks for listening to the show, and remember, things don't have to be the way they've always been. All it takes is someone willing to make a change. Maybe that's you.